0: All right. Uh, good morning and uh, thrilled to see you here. Welcome, uh, everybody. Thanks for making River Glen part of your your Sunday on just a beautiful Sunday. Isn't it just amazing uh, out there? And uh, you, you want to go do church outside uh, today? Uh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Well, before we get started, if you've been attending for uh, a while, maybe maybe you're new, maybe you've been attending for a while and you'd like to find out more about who we are and what we do and how to get uh, connected? We would love for you to come to a little lunch gathering uh, next week. It's called Welcome to River Glen. Free childcare, free lunch. Just fill out the card, Connect card, in your program, uh, or stop by the uh, Connect wall in the in the lobby, um, where you can put that card in the uh, offering bag. And uh, I'll be—we've uh, got several leaders uh, that'll be there. I'll be there. We'd love to—we'd love to meet you and uh, answer any questions that you have. Well, today we're continuing this series called Uncovered, uh, talking about These practices of of Jesus that help us to grow spiritually, but here's the problem: many of these practices are forgotten; they are uh, abandoned. Uh, You know, kind of like a uh, exercise bike in your basement that's uh, more for drying laundry. You know, it's covered with clothes or a treadmill covered up with, with, with with boxes. And so, what we're trying to do is uncover these practices and learn how to use them because they help us become more like Jesus. Now, here's how this series is helping me. As I grow in my understanding of what it means to follow Jesus, I discover this gap between who I am and who I, I want to be. You know, I'm, I'm over here right now. And, uh, you know, I used to be, you know, way over there, but I made progress to here, okay? But this isn't really where I want to be. I want to be over here Uh, Because God has has more for me. He wants me to be over here. And these spiritual practices can actually propel us forward in our faith and help us close that gap between who we are and uh, who we want to be. And so we began last week talking about the practice of solitude, which means withdrawing, stepping away to spend time alone with God to uh, pursue spiritual goals, and we looked at how Jesus practiced solitude and the many benefits in our lives if we practice it today. And uh, over the next few weekends, we're going to talk about more of these spiritual uh, practices that that Jesus did up until March 18th and 19th when we're going to conclude the series talking about the practice of baptism. In baptism, you express your commitment To follow Jesus. You drive a stake in the ground and it propels you uh, forward and closes that gap. I will tell you something in all my years of of being involved in in church, I have never met a single person who got baptized and said, Ben, that was meaningless. That didn't make any difference. No, every time, 100% of the time, and I've seen hundreds, thousands of baptisms, they always talk about it as a catalyzing event. That moves them forward in their faith. If you'd like to get baptized, we have everything that you need here. If you have questions about it, just fill out that card in your, in your program. Put it in the offering bag and we would love to help you, uh, help you take your next uh, step. Now today, the practice that we're going to talk about is by far the most misunderstood of these practices. But, it's, but it also has great power. Perhaps the most power. To close that gap between who we are and who we want to be. And it's a practice of fasting. You know, I'm curious. We don't talk about fasting very often. How many of you would say, I can't remember uh, hearing a, a sermon on fasting in church in the last three years? Would you r- raise your hand? Okay, quite a few uh, hands. Uh, how many of you would say this? Um, in, how many of you would say, you know, in my lifetime, I've never sat in a church and uh, heard a message on uh, fasting uh, before, Yeah, I see some hands up on that one. How many of you would say, I don't remember what Ben talked about last weekend? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, humbling for a guy like uh, me. But we don't, uh, we don't talk very often about fasting, and so it's unfamiliar misunderstood. And some friends of mine actually put together a documentary about how people misunderstood fasting. So take a look and at the screen. for
1: this program is made possible by a grant from the fake British Accent Guild of BBC America and viewers like you. Meet Chris Lowe, an average all-American chap with above-average spiritual aspirations. For the past two years, Chris has taken a new approach to a once-familiar but now distant spiritual discipline. I recently sat down with Chris and asked him to explain. Oh, sure, I tried fasting from food as a uh, spiritual practice. And uh, to be honest, it was it was great. I mean, it took a lot of discipline, but uh, you know, whenever I had uh, hunger pangs, I was reminded to pray and, and, and reflect. Pangs, pains. Is it pangs or, or pains? Pangs. Okay. Well, anyways, I really enjoyed fasting. I did, um, but but I wanted something more, something I could really, you know, sink my teeth into, something I could do for more than than just a day, maybe uh, months or or even years. I mean, you can't you can't fast for two years. It's just a recipe for disaster. Now, I can have my cake and eat it too. Chris has flipped the notion of fasting on its head through a spiritual practice he admits is non-biblical. You know, I like to consider it uh, extra biblical. I call it, I call it slowing, right? It's like the Bible says, taste and see the Lord is good. I mean, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm eating without seizing, 24-7, 365, just, you know, very slowly, small bites. And you haven't stopped this continuous slow eating for two years? Not even once? Well, I mean, of course I have to when I go to bed. I haven't figured out how to eat while I'm sleeping. (laughs) But we got a team working on that. And you believe that this is a spiritual practice that others should try? Well, listen, uh, slowing isn't for everyone. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Unless, of course, you can eat the basket. What it does is it brings me it brings me closer to God. Me and God, we're like two peas in a pod.
2: Are you finished here?
1: No. Yeah, uh, I could do that. Uh, slowing,
0: yeah. Uh, that's one way people misunderstand uh, this subject. I am curious, though. Um, I'm curious, though, how many of you have gone on a diet of uh, some uh, kind? How many of you tried uh, Weight Watchers? Uh, Show of hands on that one. Okay. How about the South Beach diet? Anybody done that one? All right. Uh, Zone diet. You know, Jennifer Aniston does it, so it must be good. Uh, Atkins, remember that one where you can eat all the bacon that you want? I've been on that diet all my life. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think a great combination would be slowing and Atkins, uh, together. Yeah, I'd like to uh, uh, do that. Uh, now, uh, the best definition here's the best definition for the practice of, of fasting. Fasting is simply abstaining from food for spiritual reasons. Okay? Um, fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual reasons, it's not dieting. It's not, a, it's not a hunger uh, strike. It's abstaining from food for spiritual reasons. Now, you can, uh, you can fast from, from other things besides uh, food uh, for spiritual reasons. I, I know some people who have, who have maybe you know, turned off the cell phone for a day or avoided uh, social, social media for a period of time for spiritual reasons. But today, I'm going to focus on fasting from food. Now, since we don't talk about it very often, I'm going to start out with some basics, okay? There's three types of, of fasting. The first one is what's known as the common fast, and this is where you abstain from all food and drink water, okay? Another kind of fast is called a partial fast, where you abstain from some foods. For example, in the Old Testament, David uh, ate no meat. He only ate vegetables. That is a, a partial fast. I've got a kid at home, They can go days eating only uh, bagels and cream cheese, okay? But that's not a partial fast. Uh, He just really loves uh, bagels and, and cream cheese. A partial fast can also be abstaining from all food and drinking juices and water. And then third is what's known as an absolute fast where you abstain from all food and uh, all uh, liquids. And you've got to be careful, because you can only do that for a short amount of time. And again, you do this for spiritual reasons. And in the Bible, we see people practicing all three of these types of fasting, common, partial, and absolute. We see people practicing it privately, as well as in community with their small group, or with their entire uh, church. Now, if you want more than spiritual reasons for fasting... It's interesting, Forbes magazine published an article uh, recently where they referenced a study done at the University of Southern California. This study found that that, uh, research, that, that limiting calories, uh, partial or limited fasting for just five days out of the month can have profound effects on cancer risk, heart disease, inflammation, and perhaps even brain disease. But what What I found especially interesting as I studied for this uh, message is just how much the Bible has to say about the topic of fasting. Did you know the list of people in the Bible who practiced fasting includes David, Moses, Elijah, Anna, Esther, Nehemiah, even the Apostle Paul, and Jesus himself. Did you know that fasting in Scripture is mentioned more frequently than baptism, We also read in the book of Acts about the early Christians, the first century uh, Christians, and how they would fast as an entire church community together. But what I found most interesting is what Jesus had to say about it. In the first book of the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, Jesus does some teaching about fasting. And uh, look here, he says, when you fast, do not look somber. And uh, that means, you know, don't look sad, don't look gloomy, don't look unhappy, You say, why would somebody look sad, gloomy, or unhappy when they're fasting? Well, some people reason that, you know, if I'm going to fast, okay, and I'm going to give up food for spiritual reasons, then I want everybody to know about it. Some people want to try and evoke sympathy or draw attention to themselves, but Jesus says don't do that, you know don't go on facebook and twitter you know everybody knows what you're what you're doing you know don't walk around the office you know <coughs> you know acting like you're like you're not feeling good or like you're a martyr don't put don't put on a show don't make this about you this is between you and god and then on down uh, jesus says put put oil on your head and wash your, your face uh, so that people can't tell that you're uh, fasting. In today's language, take a shower, you know, use your hair product, put on makeup. In Kentucky, they would say if the barn needs painting, go ahead and paint it. Do what you need to do, okay? Take care of your appearance so that you don't evoke sympathy and draw attention and make it about you. So I, I don't think Jesus is, here's what I don't think Jesus is saying. I don't think he's saying in a legalistic way, don't ever tell anybody. Keep this absolutely top secret. You know what? Sometimes it actually helps to share this experience with another person or with your small group or maybe uh, share it together as a, as a church uh, family. We see the early Christians do this in the book of Acts. And then Jesus says, God will reward you uh, for when, when you fast. And uh, we're going to talk more about that a little later on. But I want you to notice, okay? Two times Jesus uses this phrase, when you fast, when you fast. Notice, he doesn't say, if you fast, when you fast. Now, I don't think he he commands us to fast, but he does assume that we will fast. I think Jesus expects his followers to fast. He mentions fasting in the same context with giving and praying. And so here's my question. What happened to fasting when did fasting become so forgotten and uh, optional? I mean, fasting is an abandoned practice, really, uh, by, by many people of faith. Quick, quick history lesson. Did you, know, did you know this, that for the first 1,900 years of Christianity... Fasting was a common uh, practice. I mean, just as common as as prayer, just as common as giving, probably probably even more practiced than scripture reading because the average person didn't have a copy of the Bible until they published the Gutenberg Bible in 1454. And so if we rewind history, fasting has always been part of the Christian life. You know, for example, sometime around 128 AD, this journalist by the name of Aristide explained to Emperor Hadrian how Christians live. Look what he said, when someone is poor among the Christians who has need of help, they fast for two or three days, and they have the custom of sending that person the food which they had prepared for themselves. And then about 400 years later, the great theologian Augustine encouraged believers, Christ followers, to fast. He said, fasting cleanses a soul Raises the mind, subjects one's flesh to the spirit, renders the heart contrite and humble. And then in the 1500s, the reformers, Calvin, Luther, and Zwingli, assumed that Christian people would fast. Look at what Calvin said. Whenever supplication, which is making a request to God, whenever supplication is to be made to God, on any important occasion, it is befitting to appoint a period for fasting and prayer. Even one of our founding fathers The first president of our country, George Washington, actually wrote in his diary about a day of fasting and prayer when the British Parliament ordered an embargo on the port of Boston in 1774. But then about 200 years later, something changed, and it changed drastically. Richard Foster wrote a great book on this subject. It's called The Celebration of Discipline. He says, I could not find... A single book published on the subject of Christian fasting from 1861 to 1954, almost a hundred years. And so the question we have to ask is, what changed? What happened that created such a huge departure from something that was such a common practice? For so many years, well, I think there's two major reasons that that our world has abandoned the practice of fasting. First off, fasting developed a bad reputation as more of an outward show than something truly coming from from, uh, the heart and connected to inward, uh, inner transformation. Fasting became like this badge of honor instead of uh, something that really helps us Uh, become more like Jesus and close that gap between who we are and who we want to be. Author Lynn Babb says fasting became seen as a way of earning God's approval, trying to prove to God that the Christian was worthy and righteous. In the 19th century, Christians in Western countries came to believe, look at this, that fasting couldn't function as a healthy spiritual uh, discipline. So it didn't really happen overnight, but gradually Christian people began to allow themselves to abandon this practice. I think another reason we abandon the practice of fasting is the rise of consumerism. Consumerism puts this huge emphasis on satisfying every appetite that we have. Uh, Whereas in past centuries, people valued withholding satisfaction of certain appetites, certain desires, for a greater purpose. Lynn Babb goes on to say, it's no accident that fasting fell out of favor in the 19th and 20th centuries around the same time that advertisements for every conceivable item began to escalate, denying ourselves for anything, for any reason, lost its attractiveness. And so in a world obsessed with obtaining everything imaginable, it's easy to see, you know, how how going against the current by fasting and denying ourselves, started to become seen as an undesirable practice, as something outdated and that something that people no longer need uh, to do. So do we really need to uncover this ancient practice? Is this something that we should engage in again? Well, it's interesting. We actually have a group of people in our church that have started uncovering this ancient practice. About a year ago, one of our pastors, Andy Averill, taught the high schoolers on Sunday night at Slife about fasting, and uh, take a look at the screens.
3: I'm Andy, uh, director of family life and high school pastor at River Glen. Last year at Slife, our high school ministry, we challenged students to fast from uh, technology, social media, Netflix anything that was a distraction in their life we challenged them each day of the week to pick something and abstain from it take it out and see what would happen see what they learn and then on Friday we challenged them to also fast from food uh, as we were getting ready for a Christmas party so from lunch until the party they they didn't eat it it was a really cool experience to see students uh, learn through fasting learn about themselves learn about what they're dependent on learn about all the distractions that we It was just really encouraging to see them take it seriously and grow and learn about themselves and also learn about how they need to depend on God more.
2: Last year I fasted from social media which is the hardest week like at that point in my life because I was so invested I spent so much time like just checking Instagram and Facebook videos and Snapchat it was exhausting. So uh, all week I fasted from social media and then uh, one of the days I fasted from like appearance and you know, I kind of dressed down and didn't worry about what people thought of me. Um, another day was, I'm pretty big into art, so I couldn't do ceramics uh, for a full day, which seems kind of ridiculous, but it was actually hard. Um, and then one day was food and that was a big challenge. Um, I fasted from coffee and social media. I was waking up earlier and going to bed later so I could do longer devos. Um, And then for like the last two days of my fasting week, I fasted from food, which was very hard. Fasting from each of these things gave me a chance to kind of reevaluate where my time was being spent and how valuable it is. You know, I guess I always kind of thought of fasting as, you know, like Jesus going without food for 40 days um, in the desert. And I never really like thought of it anything else. um, And never like doing the things I did. I chose to fast because I guess I just need to take a step back and take a look at what or I guess where my priorities were lying and I know they weren't really where they were supposed to be so it was a good chance to just kinda get myself back on track. It grew my faith because it kinda gave me a reality check where I need to be and where I was and it showed me that social media doesn't really take precedent over God. One thing I really picked up on was just Eliminating those idols that I had in my life that I didn't even, you know, I wasn't aware um, that I had. I think I really learned that, like, I get so caught up in life and social media, just not focusing on God. And that's really where my priorities need to be. That really pushed me to, like, focus on God more than, you know, those material objects.
0: Yeah, I love the way that Andy and, and, and the uh, students have set an example for us and really, you know, paved the way for us to follow. These students have learned, they've started uncovering this practice of fasting and learning how it can help move, move us from here to here, from who I am to who I want to be, and God wants me uh, to be. So how does fasting uh, do this? What are the benefits of, of fasting? Well, one benefit of fasting is that it strengthens prayer. It gives you more time for prayer. It sharpens the edge of your prayers. It, it creates a higher passion for prayer. There, that's one of many uh, benefits. And so this week, as part of preparing for this message, I, I decided to try a little mini fast. Now, I've not really done very much fasting at all, but I tried it on Monday for lunch, and I'll be honest, I messed up. I uh, I was doing good. I went into the church kitchen, and somebody had a cake, and uh, out of the niceness of their heart, you know, they offered me a, a piece of cake. And my mind was just kind of elsewhere, thinking in a different uh, direction, and uh, it was really good cake. Um, but after the first bite, I'm like, ah. Oh. Totally forgot, uh, you know, that decision that I had made. And so I had to start over the next day on Tuesday. And I didn't mess up. But on Tuesday, I was reminded how much I like food and how cranky I get without it. My daughter has a word for this uh, to describe how I get uh, the word hangry. Have you heard this? You know, it's the word hungry and the word angry. Put them together. Hangry. And so I discovered that fasting has a way of exposing my weaknesses my flaws in a way that few other practices do. Now, that might sound bad, okay? But here's the deal. When I see my weakness, I learn more about me, and that can take me deeper with God. Because when I see, when I identify my weakness, I can surrender that part of myself back to God. Reminds me of something the Apostle Paul meant when he said these words in, in 2 Corinthians. When I am weak then I am strong. Fasting puts me in a position of awareness of my weaknesses, and that helps me surrender myself more to God. And so that's, how, uh, that's what I discovered about fasting uh, this week. But for all of us, I believe fasting helps us focus on two different aspects of, of self. Now, that might seem odd. That might seem unspiritual, focusing on self. But check this out. Here's what I mean. I think one of the benefits, the first benefit of fasting is self control. Fasting helps us develop the muscle of self-control. You know, it's like, it's like working out and building up a muscle that many of us may have forgotten that we even have. I mean, I mean think about this. I mean, fast, self-control is not really something that we hear much about. People seldom encourage one another to develop self-control. But honestly, who wants to be known as somebody who has little or no self-control? Nobody, right? Because if we don't learn self-control, then, then we have what? Self out of control. And I know for me, I, be, I don't want to be known as the kind of person who falls into impulsive purchases that wrecks my finances. I don't want to be the kind of person that loses control in the buffet line and harms my, my body. I don't want to be, be the kind of person who just blurts out words that damages my relationships. No, I want to be the kind of person who exercises self-control. And fasting is a practice that helps us train our mind and train our body to develop more of this quality. Think about this. I mean, where do you, where do you need more self-control? What area in your life do you need more self-control in? And uh, if fasting can help you in this area where you lack self-control... Would you be willing to give it a try? Fasting is a forgotten practice, a forgotten, ancient practice. It helps us build that muscle of self-control. It helps us go from here to to here. Well, another way fasting helps me to grow from who I am to who I want to be and who God wants me to be is that it teaches me to become self-forgetful, self-forgetful. If you have a Bible uh, with you or maybe you've got a Bible on your Bible app on your smartphone, I want you to open it up to the Old Testament book of Isaiah, Uh, beginning at the start of chapter 58. You know, God says some really powerful stuff here in this this chapter about fasting to the nation of, of Israel. Follow along. God says, for day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed? Yet on the on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife. Look at this: striking one another with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today, and expect, expect your voice to be heard on high. Now let me pause for a minute because if you're like me and you get really cranky, you know, when you go without uh, food. Then maybe you can relate and sympathize with the Israelites here. I mean, they start, they start hitting each other during their their fast. But seriously, God rebukes them for using the Israelites for using fasting as a way to manipulate them. It sounds like they were fasting so that they could get certain answers or decisions from God, and they didn't really care about how they were treating each other. And so God decides to set the record straight. And he clearly tells us what fasting is about. He says, is not this the kind of fasting that I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and, and, and blood? And so instead of using fasting to try and control God. God wants us to forget about ourselves and use fasting to enter the poverty of other people. See, fasting gives us an opportunity to be self-forgetful and to engage with the needs around us. That's why the early church, when someone was poor, when somebody needed help, those early Christians would fast for for two or three days and then they would, would send the food to that person that they would have otherwise prepared for themselves. So people practiced fasting as a way to share with the poor, because when we fast, we don't eat what others can eat. You know, we give up so that others can receive. We do with less so that others can have more. And this gives a whole new reason, a whole new vision for fasting. Through fasting, I become less focused on who I am and more focused on who God wants me uh, to be, and I help other people in a tangible way. And so if fasting is such an important practice that we need to uncover, how do we go from knowing about it to actually practicing it? Well, I've got a simple challenge for you, okay? We're gonna give this a try, and uh, here's the plan. We are all gonna abstain from all foods and drink only water for the next seven days. How's that sound? I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. One step at a time, right? Here's the plan. Here's the real challenge that I have for you. We would love for as many of us as possible to do a partial fast together. Like we talked about earlier, a partial fast means to abstain from some food or all food and drink juices and water. And we want this partial fast to start this week After lunch on Wednesday, until lunch on Thursday. And so would you go ahead in the chair back in front of you, would you go ahead and pull out this card? It says fasting challenge on top of it. Go ahead and and reach forward and and, and pick up... uh, you know, that card, and uh, let's take a look at this uh, together. Now, I understand that some of us may have some dietary restrictions that make fasting uh, difficult. That's why we chose to do a partial fast, so as many as possible can participate at whatever level you can physically uh, do. You'll also see on the response card a second dimension to this fast. We want to challenge everyone in response to what we just read here in Isaiah chapter, chapter 58 to identify with those who are hungry. And to, to actually contribute the food that we would have eaten to the local food pantry in, in Waukesha. Making sure that, that uh, making sure the items that we give are non-perishable. Uh, now if you've attended here, you've probably noticed that the entrances, both entrances to our, our building, we've got these food pantry barrels in between, in between the, the, uh, uh, the doors. And so this Wednesday, we want to challenge you to do a partial fast... Okay, And then next weekend, we want you to bring the amount of food that you would have eaten, eaten making sure it's non-perishable, uh, and uh, put it in the barrels next weekend, and that'll help feed the hungry in our, in our Waukesha uh, community. And you know what? This is a great opportunity for us to help the people of, of Waukesha. Uh, uh, the, did you know that uh, th- there, there's a hunger problem in the city of Waukesha? The University of Wisconsin recently uh, did, a, did a survey of uh, families in the city of Waukesha, and they found that almost one in five families in the city of Waukesha have food insecurity, which means they skip meals, and they don't eat enough. Uh, they don't have enough because they don't have enough food due to lack of, of money. And so we've got a very busy food pantry in Waukesha that serves almost 6,000 residents each month. And they need our help. And so this is a great opportunity for our church to help the, the hungry right here in our, in our local uh, community. So on the card, you'll see there's a blank there where you can write your name. And then below that, you can fill in the length of, of your, your fast. And then there's a reminder to donate the amount of food that you would have eaten, making sure it's non-perishable, And bring it next weekend and uh, put it in the the barrels. And so you can go ahead and fill that card out. We're not going to ask you to turn this in. This is for you to keep as a reminder to fast this weekend. We're encouraging everybody to start after lunch on Wednesday until lunch on Thursday. Because together we can exercise that muscle of of self-control and we can be self-forgetful and in doing so help others and we begin to close that gap between who we are and who we want to be and who God uh, wants us uh, to be. Now, I know that fasting is not easy. It's it's very uh, challenging. And so I've got a verse I want to show you to encourage you. This is from uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, no, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I love that verse because it reminds me, it reminds us that when we follow Jesus, his spirit, the spirit of Jesus moves into our life and, and his spirit fills us with love. And so when we fail, when we mess up, and we will, we feel his love and his grace and we're gonna extend that love to other, uh, to other people by fasting and helping the hungry uh, this This week, and his spirit gives us, gives us power and self discipline which helps us to to do this practice of fasting and all the other practices, and it helps us close that gap between who we are and who we want to be in in jesus and so i 'm going to pray for us and uh, and then we 're going to share communion and I want you to think about how communion reminds us that Jesus went to the cross for this purpose. Jesus went to the cross not only to forgive. Our, our sins, he went to the cross so his spirit could move into our lives and fill us with power, love, and self-discipline. Uh, if communion's new to you and, and uh, you want to take a pass on it, that's fine, but I want, I want everybody to know our communion's open to anybody that says yes to Jesus. It's an opportunity for those of us who follow Jesus to once again remember what he did for us. So let me pray for us. God, I, I long, we long to be the person that you dreamed for each of us to be when you created us. I I long for all of us to be those people. And God, I know that when we draw near to you through these spiritual practices you've given us and Jesus modeled for us, you will close that gap between who we are and who we want to be and who you created us to be. And so God, I just pray for all of us here today as we talk about this practice of fasting, God, that it be something that we take seriously that this is something that we give a chance this week because of what you can do in us and through us through this ancient practice. And God, I also uh, thank you for this, this other ancient practice that we call communion. And we practice it every weekend to remind us that Jesus gave his life on the cross so that, so that we could be forgiven and so that his spirit could move into our lives and help each of us become more of the person you created us to be. And it's in his name I pray, amen.